26, and uh, before, I, before we have the reading of God's Word, I just want to uh, give a little bit of an overview of where we were a few weeks ago. Um, last week was Easter, which was a great time for us. But the portion of Scripture from John, the Gospel of John, that I will be preaching through today is John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15, and it is the feeding of the 5,000. Now, this account is also recorded in Matthew chapter 14, Mark chapter 6, and in Luke chapter 9. This immediately follows Jesus' confrontation with the Jewish people who were mad about Jesus healing a lame man on the Sabbath, in which his final words to them at this point were, For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? This is in John chapter 5, verses 46 and 47. Essentially what Jesus is telling the Jews at this time is that they don't believe the Bible. They don't even believe the Bible at all. They don't believe the Old Testament, which is what they had at this point, because if they would have believed the words of God, they would have believed on him and what he was telling him. I know that, and for many of us, that we can know something and yet not believe it. That that's exactly what was happening with, uh, with supposedly God's people, the Jewish people at this time, is that they knew something. They knew about the Bible, but they didn't actually believe it. But let's, uh, let's pray, and uh, we will hear from God's word. Heavenly, uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your words are, are life to us, that they are you, Lord, that you are the living word. And we ask that this morning, as, as we get ready to hear what your word has to say, I pray that the seed of your word would fall upon fertile soil in our souls, Lord. God, that we would not just brush it off, but Lord, that we would let it uh, go down deep into our souls, that you may water it and bring the increase. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Chapter 6. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. 
When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. Now we can see from uh, verses 1 through 4 that we just, uh, that we just heard and, and read that the, uh, Jesus makes a trip from where he was across the Sea of Galilee. And just so you know, when you're reading throughout Scripture, whether it be in the Old Testament or the New Testament, the Sea of Galilee actually has different names. You know, the Sea of Tiberias. It's also known as the Lake of Galilee, the Lake of, of, of Gesserit, uh, of Tiberias, and also of Kinnereth. And, and so when you... All these places are not different places. They're the same one. It's just a, a matter of who's in power and, and who's actually... Um, and who actually wants the, uh, the lake or the sea or whatever the, you know, they want to call it, whether they want their name attached to it or not. And so we see this in, in verses 1 through 4 that they're going, and, and a great multitude is following Jesus because they saw the miracles that he had done on those that were diseased. And he goes up on the side of a mountain close to the Passover, and he begins to talk to them about... Uh, uh, he, wants to, he wants to show them a spiritual truth through a physical need that, um, that, is, uh, that is going to be taking place here in a moment. Let's read uh, verses 5 through 7, which says, When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a, a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, answered him, 200 penny worth of, of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take even a little. And so we look at this, and I began to sit there and wonder how much is 200 penny worth, because it sounds like it's, it's quite a bit, especially you know, uh, with the amount, but obviously it's not, because they say it's not going to be able to, to, to take care of them. It's not going to be able to even, even if they want just a little bit, it's not going to take care of them. So I, I began to look on the internet about the internet and do, through some commentaries and, and wanted to see how much or what this was equal to. Just the bread alone that, would, uh, that it would need to be is equal to 200 days work uh, 200 days worth of work almost seven months for one person so 200 day uh 200 days of work for uh which is almost seven months for one person to gather up 200 penny worth for just the bread i also looked in and to see how much it would actually be nowadays and there's some discrepancy actually there's a wide discrepancy about how much this was actually worth nowadays one area said that it was uh, 282 dollars and another one said all the way up to $4,000 that, that this would be able to, um, this, that this is how much that this would be worth. And so we, we could tell from even this amount and even the $4,000, even if we went to that extreme of saying it was worth $4,000, we know that that's not enough to feed 5,000 plus people. And Jesus is wanting to feed all of them and have their fill. He doesn't want them just to have a little bit. He wants them to be full in this. Let's go look back at verse 6. And it says, And he said, who? Jesus said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. One person, Albert Barnes, put it this way. He said, This was to try them to see if they had faith alone to do this. If they had faith alone to believe him. If if he would show that he believed that Jesus had the power to supply all their needs. Jesus is, is trying not only Philip, but he's also trying Andrew as well. 
This actually parallel, uh, there's a parallel portion of scripture. It's in Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15 and, and 16 also says uh, of, what this, uh, of this being parallel to it. So Exodus chapter 15 verse 25 says this, And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for him a statue, a statute and an ordinance that he proved them. So in that instance, uh, the Lord wanted him to, to, to throw this tree in there, and it actually made the tree sweet. Exodus chapter 16, verse 4 says this, Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go, uh, go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. We see on this one that obviously, I don't know about you, it's raining out this morning, it's raining out today, but the thing is, is that I've never seen rain come from, uh, I've never seen bread come down from heaven. I've never seen, I've never seen it rain bread from heaven. And it says that they went out and they got, you know, they got enough to be able to eat. And he says that he would prove them that whether or not they were to walk in his law, walk, in, walk into the ways that he would uh, that they, they could see that the Lord was with them. They will, uh, they will try his people to see if they would ob- listen and obey his command. But before we read uh, the, uh, the account of the feeding of the 5,000 again here in a moment, let's see how the other gospel accounts recorded this event because there are certain aspects in the three other gospel accounts that are only exclusive to them but are not in John's account. Matthew's, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's gospel say this, that why Jesus healed them? Why did he heal them? Because he was moved with compassion toward them. What time of day did it happen? It happens in the evening time. So they were looking to have some dinner here, and they had been out with them all day. And the number of people was greater than 5,000. It wasn't, when we read this, it, you know, it always says at the, at the top, if you have a Bible that has a title you know, for different accounts or different, you know, uh, different accounts throughout, it'll tell you it's the feeding of the 5,000. Well, there was more than 5,000. The 5,000 were just men. It didn't include the women or the children specifically. So if, if half, of the, uh, half of them were single men, if half of them were single men, they were looking at feeding 7,500 uh, 7, people at that time, including women and children, if, there, if half of them were, were single men. But if, if there was a family of four, it was upwards up to 20,000 plus that Jesus is getting ready to feed. And they only have $4,000 to do it. The other gospel accounts even share how, that, how the disciples were to break up or split up the, uh, the people into smaller groups. But there's only one gospel account that tells of where the lunch came from or where this dinner came from and who Jesus and who told Jesus who had this dinner, who had this food. And that's John's gospel. John's gospel says a lad or a young boy gave them five loaves of bread and two fishes. Now, I want to clear up some things because when I first you know, read this, I remember years ago when I was reading this, I, I began to think it was kind of like mean that the... Uh, the disciples would actually uh, take 
would actually take to this kid's food, that he would take, a, take their dinner away from them, that he would just like snatch it away from them, or doesn't say that they asked them kindly or anything else. But I began to, I looked at it, and Adam Clark, you know, uh, brought some clarity to this when he, when he said that this, you know, this little boy either took care of their provisions or he came for the specific purpose to sell bread or fish. So this boy was actually a salesman. He was trying to make a living. He was trying to make money. And he saw 5,000 people. He thought, hey, what, what better way to, you know, to, to make some money than to follow these 5,000 know, plus people, you know, upwards up to 20,000 plus? I mean, that sounds like a you know, good logical reason why you would have a business was to sell your fish. And it, sounded, it seemed like maybe he may have been doing well because I can't imagine him coming out with five loaves and two fish for 5,000 people and going, here you go. And trying to sell that. So he, uh, he apparently did well. But let's look at verses 8 through 13. As we uh, get into the portion of Scripture you know, that, I, uh, that I labeled more than enough, that Jesus is more than enough. Verses 8 through 13 says this. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, there is a lad here which has, uh, which has five barley loaves and, and two uh, small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much uh, grass in the place, so, uh, so the people sat down, and the number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed uh, to, the, to the disciples and the disciples to, uh, to them that were sat down. And likewise of, of the fishes, as much as, as they would. When they, uh, when they were filled. Now, they, weren't, they didn't just get a little bit. They were filled. He said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Now I want to remind you, the fact is, is that he, he multiplied everything, but there was no fish left, but there was only bread left over uh, that they had left, those fragments from there. He was showing that, you know, the fact, like I said, uh, at one spot, that he's proving or trying Andrew and Philip at this point. And probably all of the disciples, because they're all watching and wondering. But what does verse 6 say? Verse 6 says that he was going to prove to them. He was actually trying to them to try and see if they actually had faith enough to believe that he could do this. That he could do something miraculous in this. They didn't necessarily know what he was going to do, or how he was going to do it, or anything else. But actually believing whether or not he could do something at this point. Jesus always supplies more than what we need. Even the leftovers should not go to waste. He even says... It even says in there that the leftovers should not go to waste. He gathers up the 12 baskets full so they can have it for later. This parallels a passage in Exodus chapter 16, verses 15 through 19. And it says, And when the children of Israel saw it, they had one, uh, one to another. It is manna. For they did not know where it came from. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating. And Omer for every man according to the number of your persons. You take every, uh, every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so 
and gathered uh, some more and some less. And when uh, they did meet it with an omer, he uh, that gathered uh, much had nothing over. And he gathered, he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, let no man of it, let no man leave of it until the morning. So we could see through this that God had done something like this miraculous before. He had done this, he had done this in the Old Testament before. So you would think that the disciples or the, the people around him would know that God is able to do something greater than what we anticipate or that we, we can even think of or that we can even imagine to do. That God is more than enough, that no matter what we have in life, that God is more than enough for us. That we can sit there and try and figure out how to do things, or, or where our next meal is going to come from, or where our next you know, paycheck is going to come from. But God is more than enough. God will supply everything that we need. He will supply everything that we need. Verse 14 says, Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth that the prophet that should come into the world. So they begin to see, obviously, that they know that nobody has any food, that nobody went to the store, that nobody uh, came out and, and, and did it. And yet, they realize this, that there was enough there for everyone. And not only just uh, enough, it was more than enough. They had all their fill, they were full, everything was great, everything was wonderful, and they had more than enough that was there. And this is the question Every time uh, throughout the, the time that Jesus was physically upon the earth, the people at this time always asked the question, is this the Messiah? Is this the Christ? Is this the person that, could this be him? Could this be the one that we've been waiting for? And it even goes on today, even, uh, well, the Jewish people even still to this day are wondering where the Christ is, where, where Jesus is, where of course, they wouldn't say, you know, where is Jesus because they don't believe that he was, he was real. But the Jewish people are still waiting for that Messiah, still waiting for the Christ, still waiting for that person that is written about in, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through, uh, through 18, that says this. They're, uh, they are wondering because he is prophetically spoken of in these verses. And it says this, the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren like unto me. Unto who? Unto God. Unto him you shall hearken according to all that you desire of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire anymore that I die not. And that the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will rise up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. Who is he speaking of? He is speaking of the Messiah, the Christ, the one that is to come, the, the deliverer, Jesus. He's speaking of Jesus at this point, and they're beginning to wonder. They say, is this the one that we've been waiting for? We've been waiting for thousands of years. Is this the one? Is this the one that's going to come? Because they hadn't seen anybody do these kind of miracles. And because of all these questions that they have, and because they think that this is the one that is spoken of in Deuteronomy chapter 18, what do they try to do? They try to force Jesus 
to be king. And what does Jesus do? Verse 14, uh, 15 says this, When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to, to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. Jesus doesn't sit there and go, oh, great, wonderful, I'm getting ready to be recognized as the king. What does Jesus do? He doesn't want to buy force. He doesn't, want, he doesn't care about the fact of politics or, politics or power. He doesn't, he, he does, he's not about that. He's, wanting to, he's not wanting to set up a kingdom for power-hungry people, but his kingdom is one of humility. He doesn't want to, to be forced into it or cast them out. He wants someone to freely receive him. He wants people to enter into the kingdom of God because he's more than enough. Not because they want power or riches or anything else or fortune or anything from this world, but they want him, that he's more than enough. Because they love him more than anything. They desire him more than anything. They don't want anything from this world but him. They they ask that whatever he asks, whatever he wants, that whatever he desires, they will do it, not because they're being forced to, but because they want him because they love him with everything they have. That's the reason why God, Jesus doesn't say here, yes, let me be king right now. He doesn't want it by force. He wants us to love him because we love him. Not because we're forced to, to love him or forced to follow him or forced to believe on him. He wants us to love him because we love him. Because we listen, we obey to do what he wants. We, we obey his commands because why? Because we love him. And that's plain and simple. And so many people make it so much more difficult than what it has to be. Jesus wants us to obey his word. Why? Because we love him and we believe that he has our best interest in mind. He's trying us. He's, he's, he's saying, I'm going to try and prove myself to you. And that's what he does with the feeding of the 5,000 plus. And he wants what, what he wants to do in our life. He wants to prove that he wants us. And that we are willing to believe in faith saying, you know what? I don't necessarily see how this is going to happen. I don't see where, where my next, where my food is coming from or where my next paycheck is coming from or anything else is coming from. But I trust in you. I have faith in you that you will provide. God's word says that he has never seen the righteous beg for bread. And the thing is, is that that's what he wants us to realize, that he is more than enough to do anything in our life, that he can do exceedingly, abundantly, greater things than we can ever ask or imagine. That is Ephesians uh, chapter 3, verse 20. And so what can we take away from this passage of Scripture? Jesus sees our need and our condition. He uses natural things to grow us spiritually. The Lord will use a physical need to show you a spiritual truth. That we need to learn from the mistakes of the church in the wilderness. Remember, the church in the wilderness, they, the reason why they were in the wilderness is because they didn't trust that the Lord could do things, that the Lord could open up the promised land to them, that they can go right on in. No, they wanted to do everything their way instead of God's way. The next one is that God can provide for our needs one at a time. God's timing is perfect. The things that seem impossible for us are possible for him. That Jesus Christ is the true prophet and king. Also, the big lesson that is often overlooked is that those who often follow after miracles 
are chasing after things that are temporal and earthly. We can see this in verse 2, that they were chasing after him because he did miracles, because of what he did for those that were diseased or sick and afflicted. But we will see more of this as we continue in John chapter 6. Jesus has something even greater in mind, and we will see this. There's an old hymn that I remember, and I didn't realize it was a hymn actually until I started uh, uh, writing this sermon, and I started looking through it and realized that it was, it was actually updated, and the hymn is called, Give Me Jesus. And this morning, as Chastity begins to sing that song, what I want you to do and I want, what I want you to ponder right now or what I want you to go through is this. As she sings this song, if you're a backslidden Christian or a, a sinner who wants to repent this morning because you see, you see that God is more than enough, that Jesus Christ is more than enough, that you want to give your life to him, that you want to repent of your lifestyle this morning. That means turn away from the wicked lifestyle that you've been living, the sinful lifestyle that you've been living. And you say, you know what? I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a believer in Christ. Jesus is more than enough. Or the fact that maybe you are a believer this morning. Maybe you are a believer in Jesus Christ, but the things of this world have taken its toll upon you and you've begun to lose sight of who Jesus is. And this morning you say, you know what? I know that Jesus is more than enough. I know, but I know that I've taken my gaze, my focus off of him because of all the things that are going on in this world. And I have trials and tribulations and you know, I'm just so worried and have all these things. Let me let you know that 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. And so this morning, whether you you're backslidden, you're a sinner, and you need to repent and give your life back to him. Or maybe you're a Christian, but the things of this world have just weighed you down. And you say, you know what, I'm weary. I need to be strengthened and encouraged. This morning, as we begin to sing this song, I want you, your heart's cry, just say, you know what, just give me Jesus. That no matter what happens, that no matter what you do, that no matter what happens for you, that no matter what happens in this world, no matter what, what trials or tribulations come, no matter what afflictions or trials happen upon you, that no matter what anybody does to you, may our hearts cry be, just give me Jesus. In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise in the morning when I rise give me Jesus give me Jesus give me Jesus, you can have all this world, but give me Jesus. And
Thank you, Lord, that you are more than enough. God, I thank you. Thank you that you always supply what we need, Lord. Not necessarily what we want, but what we need. God, may our hearts cry be this morning. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus, you can have all this world, but give me Jesus. And Lord, we know your word says that heaven and earth shall pass away, but your word will not. And Lord, we know that all these things that, would, that we place so much stock in, so much, so much attention to will be burned up one day. But Lord, may our relationship with you be first and foremost, always, that, it, that whatever is going on in this world, that we would just say, you know what? It doesn't matter. Just give me Jesus. That we can, we can go out and we, we can get different things. I'm not saying all the things that we, we get in this life are, are wicked and horrible. What I'm saying is, is that our focus should not be on, on gaining all of those things. Because I would rather lose everything in this world and only have you than, than to have everything in this world and not have you. Jesus, I thank you, God, that you supply everything that we need, Lord, that you know our needs. God, may we learn from the mistakes of those that were in the wilderness and trust in you that you will provide our needs, that your, your timing is perfect. And God, we know that what is impossible with us is is possible with you. God, we thank you that you are the true prophet and king, like you are the one true God. God, I pray that our lives would reflect that, that, that God, that the person that is sitting at home right now that is pondering whether or not they should give up their sinful lifestyle, 
Maybe they were a Christian at one time and they turned their back on God. Or maybe they never known God. But this morning they say, you know what? Jesus is more than enough for me. Just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. And for those that are at home that are believers, but this world has just beaten them down and taken them down and they, they just don't know if they can make it. God, I pray that as they, as they made that their prayer of just give me Jesus, that all those things would just take a back seat and we just worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Strengthen them and encourage them this day. Just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. I hope that this uh, service was a, was a blessing to you. And immediately following uh, our service, my wife has, uh, has a service for the kids. So make sure that you check that out. And it will be on uh, the Crowlesville first page. It will also be on my wife's page and my, uh, and my page as well. And we'll share it. make sure you share it with all those. And it's actually going to be starting right now.